Okay, so to those of you who are just now tuning in, this is the first episode for you. Welcome, by the way. I'm sure you saw me featured um, Overcast, or if you found me on Twitter, thank you for listening. Um, so the way this podcast is typically set up is it's a flow of consciousness sort of thing. Um, I have a topic in mind. It's typically something that is thought-provoking, um, paradigm sh- shifting. And as I talk and sort of go on, you know, towards the end of the podcast, there's this big reveal um, that tends to be eye-opening. This episode is no different. Um, the only reason why you're hearing this part, I typically don't even do like a lead up to it, explaining it. Um, it's just, I just turn on the mic and I start talking and then, you know, I get to it. But I kind of felt after recording this episode, it had already been pre-recorded and you'll be able to tell as you get towards the middle of this episode. As I listened to it and listened to it and listened to it, I realized that I actually stumbled across a lot of different revelations that from talking to my friends who got to pre-listen were like, a lot of people don't know this. And what I didn't want was for people who might be new stumbling across the podcast to sort of tune off um, because they don't understand the way the the episode kind of flows, so to speak. And more importantly, it's not even about tuning off. It's about people who need to hear this information getting the information as quickly and directly as possible. So this is a re-recording, at least the first half, and um, the first half of this episode. And um, I implore you to listen all the way through um, because you're going to come get some a lot of information. My assumption is if you're listening to this, it's because you're supposed to listen to it for whatever reason. And if you are a person who clicked on this because you know you're grappling with your faith or with Christianity in general and things of that nature um I want you to know that you're not alone and um I was on that path and I'm still on this path and that's kind of one of the reasons why I talk about these issues on on this episode on this podcast in general um because I want to share information that I feel would have helped me had I come across it, you know, years ago when I was, you know, on my journey towards a greater understanding of the nature of our reality. So for those of you who don't know, I am a pastor's kid. I also minored in theology and I was raised uh, in a very religious, obviously, um, home. And I also was educated in Christian um, school systems for the majority of my um, childhood. Um, so to say that I'm a little bit familiar with the Bible is an understatement. What inspired this podcast was I was on Twitter looking through the ten- trending section and I saw that Rush Limbaugh was trending. I clicked, I read through, and um, apparently he was he's dying of like stage four lung cancer. And I saw a comment and an individual was like, you know, I'm surprised that a lot of these Christians are wishing him, you know, well. And my response to that person was, well, I'm not surprised because religion, particularly given its nature and Christianity in specific, uh, given the nature that it is monotheistic, it has become a religion of intolerance. And I'm not even sure if saying something has become is appropriate considering the fact that we have things like the Spanish Inquisition, we have things like the Salem Witch Trials, we have things like the Crusaders, um, or the Crusades rather, um, and you have things like people protesting at gay pride events, holding up signs saying 
terrible things. Um, and of course, people calling women who want to have abortions, um, you know, baby killers and things of that nature. <laughs> the religion itself is, you know, very intolerant. And when a person like Rush Limbaugh is a spokesperson for Christianity, you really can't act surprised. He's literally a prophet and he professes what the Bible encourages. And when I said something like that, and I obviously said it within 146 characters limit, you know, condensed version of that. But um, when I said that, some Christian commented under me and said, you, you've never read the Bible, have you? And my response was actually, yes, I have. Um, and, uh, you know, gauging by your response, I'm, I'm going to guess that you've never read the Bible. Um, and I said, if you need a Cliff Notes version of, of something that you're basing your whole entire life on, your, a belief system that you have not actually delved into, I suggest you read, uh, you check out the book, God, the Most Unpleasant Character in All of Fiction. And I, you know, put a picture of the book title for them, for them to check it out. Um, they're obviously not going to go and read that book. Um, but that did inspire this episode. And the idea behind this episode was, you know, what if you were given the Bible, not as a child, like, let's say you have a Christian background, right? What if you were presented with the Bible, not as a child, but as a full-blown adult, knowing everything that you know now and having the capabilities of logic and understanding and grammar? <laughs> um, would you continue to read the Bible? Would you believe what was in the Bible just being a decent human being that you are now. And specifically, this episode is going to be titled, Are You Better Than God? Um, it's a very strong introduction. It's a very strong title. But the idea is to pause and make you think. And I, I have to say, too, after saying all of that, I have to say that I am not an atheist by any stretch of the imagination. I do believe that there are creators of this world. And as I've said throughout all my other episodes, I believe that we are in a simulation. And as a result... Clearly, for there to be a simulation, there has to be simulators, right? And I don't believe, you know, it's a one creator of this world. And I also don't believe that whatever created this world demands or requires us to worship them, right? In previous episodes, I've likened the creator of this world to like the creator of Amazon or the creator of Apple, right? It's just an entity or group of entities that might have had the idea, um, but there are other individuals that are charged with the execution. So I look at it very logical and very straightforward. Um, but there are people who base their entire um, understanding and belief system on a Bible, on a book. And I wanted to do this episode and say, okay, say I gave you this book as an adult, right? I, I don't, it's not even, we're not even going to delve into like chapters in. Let's just take the first three chapters and, and you walked into a bookstore, right? And you opened it up. Would you believe, would you hold the ideas that you have now based on what you read? And most people, absolutely not. Why? Because it is completely littered with contradictions, um, and uh, it describes a God that is incompetent at best and human at the very least. And so that is what I'm going to be discussing on this episode. My ideology and my idea, my concept of what I get from reading Genesis is that it's describing an alien encounter, right? An alien species, a type of humanoid who 
come across a planet, come across Earth that already possesses the necessary elements for life. That entity, that humanoid, is not then the creator of the entire universe. It is just a, an entity or humanoid who be who terraforms um, a planet that was already there. And if you're a new listener, you're like, wait, what? Um, listen on, because um, I believe I'm going to do a good enough job anyway, um, pontificating on that. Maybe pontificate is not the right word. Um, explaining what I mean by that. Um, let's start far from uh, Genesis. So I'm just going to focus on the first three chapters. It's not going to be super in-depth or anything like that. I'm going to pick certain verses here and there and call things to your attention that a lot of people in their mind have an idea or ideology of what the story of Eden actually says. But because that ideology has blind their perception, there's a lot of things that they have missed when they actually sit down and read. For example, Towards the end of this episode, I do talk about the fact that there are two trees in the Garden of Eden, not one, two trees. For some reason, our our ideology and our understanding of the story of Adam and Eve has somehow convinced people that there was just the one tree that they were told not to eat from, but there are actually two trees. Um, And it's right there in black and white if you go and actually read it and you don't have to you know delve in that far like i said it's the first three quote chapters and they're not even chapters like a person would you know define a chapter it's just the first chapter for example is only 31 lines right 31 verses or whatever so just bear that in mind it's it's right there and open and it tells you um everything you need to know there were two trees one was uh, the tree of knowledge, but the other one was the tree of life, right? And then once you start explaining that to people, then eventually they go, oh yeah, that's true. But that's an example of how ideology blinds you from seeing things that are right in front of your face. So let's jump into uh, Genesis, just the very first verse. It says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Okay. What I initially said in the pre-recording was that I want you to ignore that first verse because that first verse, once you read the remaining verses, you can go back to that first verse and understand that that's just a blanket statement, right? It's just to say that God is responsible for the creation of every single thing, right? The heaven and the earth. And more importantly, that verse in itself is an outright lie. That first, that first verse is heavily contradicted a few lines down the road, but I want you to start and I will explain why later on, a little later, shortly. Um, just ignore that first verse, right? And I want you to move on to the second verse. And it says that the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep, of the deep meaning of the deep waters. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Okay. So ignoring the first verse, right? Going to the second verse, you see where it says that there was a spirit of God, right? And it moved upon the face of the waters. When I read that, the first thing I think of is that movie with uh, Matthew McConaughey, where I forget what it's called. It's not Inception, uh, but there's a song by Hans Zimmerman called Time, which is really beautiful. And uh, it's associated with the name of that movie. I don't know why I can't remember like random shit like that, but I can't remember the actual movie. 
and I probably should have Googled it because this is the second time I'm recording this episode and I still didn't Google it. Anyway, they, um, Earth is dying. Um, the inhabitants of Earth are supposed to go and try to find another planet. And of course, what are they looking for? What is the number one thing that astronauts uh, look for in other planets as a sign of life? Water. Absolutely, right? The first thing they always look for is water. So to me, every time I see the Spirit of God moves moved across the face of the waters, I think of um, like a ship, like a spaceship um, or aeronautic ship moving across the water, like in that scene from that movie um, that I'm referring to that I can't think of the title. Before I jump in, first thing, the original Hebrew uses the term Elohim when it talks about God. Now you can Google it. Elohim is actually plural. So remember how I said just a little while ago that we are blinded by ideology. So a lot of Christians believe in one God, even though the very first chapter and the very first couple of verses in the original Hebrew uses a plural to define God, meaning that it should read in the beginning, the gods created the heaven and the earth, and then the spirit of gods, the spirits of God, the Elohim, right? These are, it's a plural form. They moved upon the face of the waters, right? So I just want you to start by understanding that the, the, the very premise of people thinking that there is just one God, is based on faulty translation. In the original Hebrew, they are actually defining um, many gods. And I will address that later on towards the end of this episode. I'll go back to that. More importantly right now is this. It never says anywhere in, this, in, this, in, this, in the Bible, but even in this book and in this chapter, that God created water. And... The reason why that's important is because it literally goes in to describe every other single specific thing that the gods, I should say, created, right? Light, animals, trees, etc. But it doesn't specifically say that it created water. So that should tell you that here is this entity that happened across something that already existed. Within the first two verses, if you disregard the first verse even within the the first two verses though it it explicitly tells you that the there one it's a polytheistic god there's more than one god everything you need to know especially if you look in the original hebrew there's more than one god and it happened across uh, an earth a planet that was that already had water so it didn't create the planet it happened across the planet And it found water. Okay? So then water already existed. So God didn't even create water. It just happened across it. It doesn't say that the gods created water. It said that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So the waters was already there. Now, moving on. That's important. And also, the whole point of without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the, of the deep waters brings me to uh, this part. Um, and this part here is, what I mean by this part is um, physics. <laughs> and what I mean by that statement is that um, 
roughly, let's say 95% of the entire universe is uh, made up of dark matter and dark energy. So 68% of the universe is dark energy. 27% of the universe is dark matter, which, it, which means that less than 5% of the universe is the normal visible matter that we can see. So once again, now let's take it back to this Bible. That means that an entity came across a world that was already what we see now, right? Let's say roughly 95% of what already exists. And it focused on the only 5% that it could see and then started manipulating that form, that matter. What does that tell you? Once again, that does not describe, especially if you're going off of what we know now, it does not describe an, uh, an entity, an all-knowing, all-powerful entity or entities creating everything out of nothing. That's not what it's describing. If you are going to, to stake your premise of belief on, of what this world is on the Bible, it is not describing an entity that created any, everything from nothing. It is describing an entity that happened across a world that already existed, Right, we still at this point <laughs> have ninety-five percent of uh, combined dark energy and dark matter. It did nothing with that. It worked only with the five percent of the matter of the visible matter that it could see. That right there, if you look at it logically, defines the confines of a, a of a quote God or gods who created quote created this world. They didn't create it if it's only one, working within the confines of what it could see, and two, literally, it's just working with the waters that was already there. So what this reads to me, and I say, I use the word aliens, and I know that that might have put some people, you know, in a, a raised eyebrow perspective, but aliens could literally mean, like, they could just be en the entities from an extraterrestrial planet, right? An extra meaning another world, right? Humanoids is more what I'm using. To me, it sounds like futuristic, an advanced futuristic race that traveled through time and space and came to this world and, be, and found water and then began terraforming. If you are going to stake your belief on, the, on, on the, what the nature of this reality is, at least apply it within the confines of science and what makes sense. Because bear in mind, it specifically says this earth. It didn't, it, this, Genesis does not mention all the other planets and it doesn't mention all the other planets because of the fact that none of the other planets have water. So you can infer by what you are reading that it happened across the world that yes, is darkness um, and void. Although it does say without form and that I'm about to argue is not even accurate and it's that line without form is actually discredited, you know, just a few verses later. But you have a, a humanoid or group of humanoids who found one planet out of the myriad of planets that um, exist that was, you know, that had, that was comprised of dark energy and dark matter focused on what was visible, right? That the 5% and then began to manipulate it. That's what Genesis is describing. It's not describing an all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipresent being. It's describing um, entities that came in and worked, that understood that it was, that water is the building block of life, so to speak. Now, moving on, bear all of that in mind. Moving on, it says, and God said, let there be light, and that was, and there was light. So that, that was verse 
verse 1. I'm sorry, that's chapter 1, verse 3. Okay? And God said, and you can read along with me. I just Googled Genesis chapter 1 through 3 and a upenn.edu uh, site popped up. If you have a Bible, check it out. Um, but it is what it is. So verse 1, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 3, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. And he divided the light from the darkness. And the light he called day, the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So now that's chapter uh, 1, verse 3 to 5, okay? So they say all of that, chapter 1, verse 3 to 5, and then you jump down to chapter 1, same chapter, verse 14, and it says, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to, this, to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for day. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And he set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to roll over the day and over the night and to divide the light into the darkness. And he saw that it was good. And then the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So if you jump down from where it says in chapter one, verse three, like I said, you can follow with me. Chapter one, verse three, it says, God said, let there be light and there was light. And then he saw the light was good and he divided it. That was the first day. Then you jump down and it says on the fourth day, you jump down to verse 19, it says the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So leading up to verse 19, I just read you 15 through 19, it's describing light being created and the firmaments being created that, that within itself is a contradiction so on the first day light was created and the separation happened but then on the fourth day light was created and the separation happened that is a discontinuity that would raise an eyebrow if you walked into a bookstore and you opened it and you just read just those first 20 lines you would be like well what which day was light created and at that point in time the first question should pop into your head. We are being told that the Bible is the infallible word of God. And yet within the first chapter itself, the, there's contradiction. They can't even, the author can't get it straight as to what, what day, which day was light created. Was it the first day or was it the fourth day? There's a contradiction right there. You can, you can make whatever excuses you want. At the end of the day, it's right there in front of your face. You can explain it away, but it's right there in front of your face. It says that the light was created on the first day, and then it, it goes on to describe the different lights, essentially serving the same purpose of separating the day from the night being created on the fourth day. That within itself is a contradiction you could write this, a child could write this, this is not infallible walking into it. And I would argue that if you, as an adult, picked up this book and read this right away, you would be like, wait, this makes no sense. And that's not, it doesn't stop there. Moving on, it describes the quote, formation of earth. So bear in mind, remember I said at the beginning, I said, ignore the first verse because it's it's a blanket statement. It says, well, um, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, right? The reason why I said to ignore that is because 
right after saying that, we jump down to verse, I think it's, uh, hold on one second. Okay, verse 9. Right after saying that, where he says God created the heaven and earth, we jump down to verse 9. It said, and God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. He didn't create the dry land. He separated the waters, right? So by separating the water, the earth showed up. It wasn't created, right? By gathering together of the waters, which he called the seas, it says it right there in verse one, uh, I'm sorry, in chapter one, verse 10, he was able to show the earth. And then he said, and let the earth bring forth grass, herb yielding seeds and the fruit trees or whatever. But the th we, we know this. Earth does this by itself. If you remove water from soil, eventually grass and stuff will grow. So once again, I am strongly reiterating that even in the, the Bible itself, it's not describing an entity creating anything. It didn't create the earth. These entities did not create the earth. What they did was separated water from land, exposed the earth, and then let the earth kind of do its thing naturally. I've said this in this episode before, and I'll say it again. What Genesis is describing is not an all-knowing, all-powerful entity creating everything from scratch. What Genesis is describing is a humanoid or a group of humanoid or humanoids rather, terraforming earth. Not creating, terraforming, literally working with what it already had. I think that the only thing that it could be said, the only thing that could be said is necessary that, that ugh, I can't talk. I'm so flabbergasted. But let me explain my flabbergastedness. The reason why I'm like at a loss for words is because there are people who are running around with an ideology in their head that is contradicted by common sense. And it's contradicted by the very book that they profess to believe. It is describing an entity who happened across a world that already had the necessary ingredients for life. Water, earth, right? Life. And all it did was create light. So I will say, I will, I will give it that, that it does say that somehow it created light. But everything else was already there. It created light and then just moved the waters out of the way. Well, the water was already there. The earth was already there. And it just kind of more or less let the planet do its thing. Another contradiction of where it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The reason why I said to ignore that first verse. So this is the third example of why I say just ignore that first verse. Because that's kind of meant to deceive you. Is because right underneath that, after the first creation of light and day, which is just contradicted right underneath that by the fourth creation of light and day. Um, in verse, six, in verse 6, it says, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. 
and let it divide the waters from the water. So the firmament is basically like clouds, like mist, right? And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And then he called the firmament heaven. So once again, we've got a waterbender here <laughs> who's just separating pre-existing elements, right? And then that's how he created, quote, created heaven. He didn't really create, it, create heaven. He just separated some stuff and put it up in the sky. So I keep reiterating that this is a story of humanoids who happen across a planet found the one that had life, or I should say signs of life or necessary ingredients for life, which is water, and then started working with it to now yield what we have now. But all of this stuff was already there, which then should tell you that perhaps the Gnostics were onto something when they said that the, quote, God that created this world is not the real God. Especially if all of these things already kind of existed. Right. So after all of this, he moves on. And between, I think, the fourth day, man is created um, from the earth or whatever. And when I, I say that Elohim means plural, right there in verse 26, it says, chapter 1, verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image, like after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the fowl and blah, 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 blah. Us. Us being the operative word. Okay, so I'm saying all of that. I've said all of that to say this. As you continue listening, if it helps to come back and re-listen to this, you know, this part, this first um 30 minutes, <laughs> you know, I've been talking 30 minutes, um, do so. Um, because there's a lot of information in here that I've presented to you that it's, it's literally me just calling things to your attention that you may have missed. Um, like I said, a lot of people are basing their understanding of God as being this all-knowing, all-powerful, all present being, but that's not what the Bible describes. And in fact, he goes on, and I and I delve into it later on in this episode, he goes on to say, like, after Adam and Eve eat from the first tree, where are you? That's not an omnipresent being. Now, the reason for this episode is that, well, one of the reasons for this episode is to obviously bring these things to your attention, but to also say this, and, and very strongly, when you are being told by priests and pastors and leaders of uh, the church that this book is an infallible word of God that dis defines this all-powerful being, right, it's blasphemy. It's blasphemy because, and not on your end, it's blasphemy by them. It's blasphemy by the preachers to reduce the creator of the whole, like the multiverse. I'm not talking about what is described in the book. I don't even believe what's described in this book, right? I'm just saying, if this is what you believe, you really need to stop and kind of operate with with the knowledge that you have now and reevaluate that. But to say that the 
entity that's responsible for everything is this bumbling, is to set up the future generations of people for atheism. And it's not going to be their fault. It's going to be the religious leaders that are pushing the, this, this book that is filled with contradictions and filled with mistakes and doesn't adequately describe a all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, and all-loving God. Who's, who's at fault here? So anyway, I'm going to fade out so I don't keep rambling and uh, keep listening because um, there's more of this you know, later on, you know, in this episode, and I implore you to listen all the way through. I know I talk slowly. um, Like I said, this is not scripted. Um, When I listen to my own podcast, I speed it up a little bit. Uh, The delivery is better that way too. And um, if you get something from this, I'm grateful. If you think that there are people who will be able to benefit from listening to this, please share. All right, continue listening. Thank you. So moving on, so God creates man, Adam hooks up with some animals, that's actually a thing, Um, Google it, Um, finally creates woman, then he says, I am going to put in the middle of this garden two trees, one's going to make you know everything, and then the other one is going to make you live forever, don't eat it, if you eat it, you'll die. Okay, I've already touched on this. Why would you take, first of all, if you're an all-knowing entity, you will, you already know, like, what's going to happen. So why would you even do this? Why would you put the, the ser- serpent in there? You already know. So you have all, all the knowledge and all the power. Why would you put the serpent in there? Why would you put the fucking trees in there? Why can't you? Okay. Why couldn't you put? Okay. (laughs) Better than God, right? That's the title. Are you better than God? If you were the creator at this point in time, right? You created man and you created woman. And you knew if you tell them don't eat this fruit, right? They're going to immediately go and eat this fruit. You have this knowledge as a mere human being. What would you do? Because common sense would say, hey, you know what I'm, I'm not going to do? I'm not going to take these human beings who have already admitted don't know the difference between good and bad and tell them, hey, don't eat this. Because I've already admitted they don't possess the capabilities of knowing that them eating the tree, eating from the tree is, quote, bad or is disobedient, right? Because they haven't eaten from the tree. You see, it's a catch fucking 22. And if you know not to do that, then by definition, you are already better than the biblical God. Is that blasphemy? Is that blasphemy for me to say that about you? Or is it blasphemy for the people who claim that God is all-knowing, all-loving, and all-powerful did this? Who are we blaming here? Right? Who's the one committing blasphemy here? It's not you. It's the priests. It's not you. It's the religious leaders that are telling us lies. I mean, that's an outright lie. You can't tell me that the creator of this world, the creators of this world, Elohim of this world, created everything, put us into this world, put a tree in the middle and told people who were completely innocent, just born, don't eat this, knowing damn well that they're going to eat that. 
and then you 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 want us to believe you want us to believe that this is an all-knowing all so it's either the god of this world the creator of this world isn't an all-knowing all-powerful being or we are more intelligent than said god or both either way it's not us looking at this and thinking wait this doesn't make any sense how can you tell me that this is a all-knowing God, and yet he would do something, he's doing something that a child wouldn't do, a person with common sense wouldn't do, right? Who's really blaspheming God here? Is it us, lay people, or is it the religious people who keep wanting us to believe that, one, this is the infallible word of God, even though it is littered with mistakes and contradictions and two the god the real creator of this world is is smart enough to terraform earth but and and to create entities out of out of dirt but not know hey if you put children in the middle of something and say don't do this and then leave they're gonna do it we know this we know this but you want us to think or believe that the creator of all of this doesn't know this. Anybody at this point in time, anybody who's pushing that mindset, that ideology is the true blasphemer because they are reducing their weight. They're, they're pushing an ideology. It's dangerous. And you're reducing God, the creator of this entire world, if that's what you believe, or you want us to believe that the creator of this entire world is actually dumber than the rest of us. And it's only a matter of time before more and more people start to wake up and look at these stories and say, okay, then there is no God. Because the definition and the constraints that have been you know, set up by, by the church, by religion, by pastors, don't make sense. And maybe they would have made sense you know, 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, when 5,000 years ago, whenever the fuck these stories were written, but humanity has come a long way. If you're still pushing this, you're encouraging people to walk away from this. And it's not their fault. And you can't turn around and say, oh, this is, it's the devil if you challenge stuff that basically insults people's intelligence. So anyway, so now let's go back to Genesis. We are now um Genesis chapter 3. You're welcome to keep up with me if you want to. Um Genesis chapter 3 verse 22. And the Lord God said, "Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So I'm going to read that again. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned away, turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. 
It's the us that's, that's, that's more what I'm focusing on here. It's the plurality of it, right? That, to me, one, is not one, it's not, that does not speak of monotheism. That, to me, plainly says that the only, the only reason why this entity is able to know everything and to live forever is because it ate these two fruits, that tells me then that that's not really the God of literally everything. Like, think about it. Like, legit, think about it. If the only thing that separated Adam from becoming, quote, like them, like the gods, was eating from the tree of life, because then, then that means we're half gods already by that definition. So Adam ate of the tree, right? So that was the, the two trees that gave the gods, the creators of the earth, so-called creators, the terraformers of the earth, right? It was two things that made them immortal, right? It was the two trees. And one of them, Adam already ate. And as a result of him consuming it and Eve consuming it, we also have that same, uh, we've also eaten it too, which is why we're also allegedly suffering for his mistake, um, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so... Now, the only thing that now keeps, that separates us from being gods is just the ability to live forever. That within itself is telling. That tells you everything that you need to know from this point on. You know, Christians say, bow down and worship God. Be still and know that he is God. But if you read just the first three chapters, it tells you everything you need to know about the God that Christians are walking around claiming is infallible, is all-knowing, all-powerful, yada, yada, yada. I can see easily, if you do want to believe in theology, I can easily see, I should say, if you do want to believe in man-created theology, I can easily see why the Gnostics keep saying that this world was not created by the actual creator, because it's right there in Genesis. It tells you everything that you need to know. What it first tells you is that these entities, there was more than one of them, came, moved across the waters. Every time I read that verse, I always think of a fucking spaceship, like hovering over the water, like, uh, I keep wanting to remember that movie, but I can't remember the movie. Um, Ma Matthew McConaughey. But I always think about that one scene where they're in the spaceship and they're looking for land. They found it's like this water world and just everything is just fucking water. That's what I always think about. Okay, but if you're listening to, uh, listening to, if you're reading Genesis, I mean, read it, it's right there. I found this by Googling it. I just Googled the first chapter of Genesis, um, considering I threw my Bible away, but it's on UPenn.edu, it's right there. Um, you have entities, and Google Elohim, and what that means, because um, that's what it is in the original Hebrew. Um, but anyway, reading it, there's loads of contradiction, but if you read between the lines, it basically says that, this entity came to a world where there was already water, right? Which is exactly what we're doing. We're, we are looking for other planets to terraform. And the one thing that we're looking for as a sign of life is water. Right? Right. Okay, so this entity came across this world, found water, right? And then from that point on was like, let me start creating uh, stuff. And even though it says that they said oh let there be light it also says like a little bit under like later that it created light so there's that contradiction there uh especially the separation of separation of permanence and all that other <coughs> excuse me all that other nonsense 
ultimately some entity came to earth came to this planet there was already land and there was already water here right so he separated the water from the land and then made land but it didn't create the land it just separated the land but the land was already there the earth was already there right and then there was like a mist that was kind of above the water and that was like basically the clouds or whatever and that's what brings us you know rain and things of that nature but it sounds it reads to me like uh, a very advanced civilization coming to this world and terraforming the place right and then for some reason they created these entities that we call humankind um and put them you know on in the garden with these two trees that allows them to live forever and also gives them wisdom right and then they told these entities don't eat from the trees so then that tells you everything you need to know that one they assumed that by just saying don't eat from these trees that these uh that the first man and the first woman adam and eve would just listen so that that right there is just an incomp that's incompetent. So if you're going to create something, you don't even know enough to know that the thing that you created is not going to listen to you, then you're not, um, you're not omniscient right there. That's a contradiction, <laughs> right? So, and then when they come back, right? And it sounds like God's just like walking around like a, like these are regular people, like these are regular humanoids, right? Because when um when after adam is eaten and i don't know who the snake is or if the snake is even like just another member of their team right because this is what i'm thinking in my head that these are you know explorers from another world or even from the future perhaps who knows right they they do say time is cyclical i'm totally having fun now um but who knows right um so you have this entity, it comes back, you know, it tells them don't, it creates everything, allegedly creates everything. And then it says, you know, don't eat from this or you'll die. The serpent comes and is like, you're not going to die. Um, and then they eat and then God showed up, right? And it says, this is 3.8. And they heard the voice of the Lord, God, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So God just shows up, one of the one of the gods show up chilling. And then Adam and he Eve hid themselves from the presence of one of the gods amongst the trees. And God called out and said, Where are you? Okay, how are you omnipotent? How are you omniscient? And you don't know where two people that you created are. I'm just regular old person with a ring camera <laughs> and a cell phone. Like I could track right? We all have the technology at this moment to track anyone. So at this point now, we are even more technologically advanced than the God of who created these worlds or this world rather, because he doesn't even know where it, you create these two entities, don't even bother tracking them. So either you're not as technology, tech, either the biblical God is not as technologically advanced as we are, or like he's really just that incompetent. Why would you put two super powerful things in the middle of the of the trees and then put these entities that don't know the difference between good and evil in the middle of that and say, hey, don't eat that? Like, if, if you wouldn't have even called it to their attention, they wouldn't have gone to it. 
in the first place. And then you are like, wait, where did you guys go? Where are you? you? So you just brought life into this world and you can't even track it. Google can track you. Is Google more powerful than the biblical God? You see, you see where I'm going here? You see where I'm going here? Anyway, so the God calls out and says, where are you? And he said, I heard the voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, and God said, who told you you were naked? Okay, which... Who else is here? <laughs> like, really? Think about it. And then he goes, wait, have you, have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to eat from? Bro, clearly. <laughs> yes. Yes, he has. But the fact that he has to rationalize this, like think out loud, wait, 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 what? Oh my God, shit, I fucked up. Like that does not read to me like an all-powerful, all-knowing entity. At all. At all. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's just, uh, that's just the first chapter. <laughs> that's just the first chapter. Um, I, I've, I've been reiterating, I will reiterate and leave it at that, that the, the, the thing about Christianity is that it discourages you from thinking rationally and asking logical questions because it'd rather have you believe, right? Because when you believe, then the people who are profiting from your just blind belief in the, what the stories that they're peddling, um, it makes it easy for them to keep kind of taking advantage of you, right? And with a straight face, a lot of priests and a lot of pastors have read and will continue to read those chapters without any sense of irony. And there will be children sitting in the audience who are not brainwashed and haven't yet been brainwashed who will look at their parents and look at the pastor and think, what the actual fuck? Why would he do that? Right? And those poor children will be told, do not question God. God is infallible. Like to me, it's just the whole thing rings of the Wizard of Oz, right? Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Read the first chapter of Genesis and and, and just, I mean, it's out there, Google it. The first three chapters, right? From, from the beginning to the end. And, and really like look at it logically and then ask yourself why millions of people have fucking died over this. It's a badly written story. I'm not an atheist. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I, I don't believe that all of this just happened. My, my, just happened rather. My understanding of this world though is that we, it is some sort of simulation, right? But with every simulation, there clearly has to be a programmer. And I don't believe it's just one. Even the Bible, if you want to just at least start with the foundation of, okay, fine, let's start with the Bible. Even the Bible, even in the original Hebrew, it's not just one God. It says the Elohim. Somehow, and throughout time, mankind has always believed in more than one God. Every culture there has always had, like, you know, you have the Greeks, you have the Romans, you have the um, the Ebos, you have the Yorubas, you have the Benin tribes, you have the, the Japanese, you have the Chinese, you have Hindu. Everybody, Native Americans believed in multiple gods. The three most dominant religions right now are only dominant because of the theology of of monotheism and essentially intolerance. It's saying if you don't believe in what we believe, um, 
then we're going to kill you. And so just through sheer force um, and violence, they have been able to dominate. But at the end of the day, nobody does anything on their own. And even in the Bible itself, it says that there are a, a multitude of, it was, it was many gods that created or terraformed. I don't even want to call it created because they didn't. If you read the, the Bible, it, it's not a creation. Like I said, ignore the first verse and then read through it. You can, you can go back to the first verse, first verse, but with the understanding that that first verse is immediately contradicted, right, by the remaining other verses. It says he created heaven and earth. And then it goes on to say, on the first day, he said, let there be light. But then later on, on the fourth day, it said that let there be light. And then it says in the first verse, he created heaven and earth. But then I think was it the second day or the third day, he separated the waters that were already there to reveal the earth that was also already there. This is not a creation story. This is a terraforming story, which means that something was already here existing. Right? If you even if you that's I'm saying if you want to believe that story is true, it's not. It's just some people made that up. Like somebody created that story. I'm even the fact that I'm saying that it's a terror a story of a alien entities terraforming this planet is just giving that story more legitimacy than it actually needs. I mean, in 400, 500 years, people are going to look back and think like, I can't believe human beings killed themselves over this. The way we look back at, you know, like think about Marvel movies. Those are based on like people legit believed in Thor and died for in the name of Thor. People legit believed that there was an Asgard. People legit believed in Zeus, Zeus and people legit believed in Apollo. Right. And and we still were, were ignorant and egotistic enough to still believe that, you know, our, our it's our religion that's right. No, it's not. It's going to go in, in 500 years. It's going to go the way all these other religions that came before it went. None of the religions that are dominant right now are, are truthful or fact. They're just not. And you can read through all of these, quote, holy books and tear them apart the way I've just done. And if and, and you want me to believe that, excuse me, two things simultaneously that, that don't make sense. You can't tell me that the Bible shows and proves that the creator of this world is an infallible God and some monotheistic God. When he says multitudes of times, you shall have no other gods before me. If I'm the only Joe, right? If there's only one podcast <laughs> in all of existence, and then I go on here and I say, you shall listen to no other podcasts but mine, you're going to be like, what? Well, why would you even say that? Unless I, you don't put forth such edicts unless you know that you're not the only one. So an entity broadcasting and saying, I am the only God, you shall have no other God before me, even though in the beginning it says that the LOM, you know, came forth and did X, Y, and Z. And then in that same, the third chapter, it says that, you know, the only thing that separates gods from its own creation is one tree, and that's the tree of eternal life. That's it. That's the one thing now that, that keeps us from being gods, which then tells you that if literally the only difference between us and them is that now we know the difference between good and evil, that means that so do they, the creators, if you believe that there are creators. 
and I'm still saying it's, it's all a simulation. But if you want to believe that, then then you have to accept that the only thing that separates us, as per the Bible, that separates mankind from gods is that they're just like us, except that they get to live forever. Then at that certain point, at in, in about 20 years now, scientists are working towards basically uh, transference of consciousness into bodies that don't die, then at that point we do become gods. So then what is, how do you define God? What is the definition of God? Because the Bible limits it. It says a God is only an entity who knows the difference between good and bad and can live forever. That's it. It doesn't mean then by the definition of the Bible that God is all knowing, all powerful and omnipresent because he wasn't even present enough to know where the fuck Adam was after he ate from a tree. So then that means that you can't have both. You cannot have both. So that means then that if you want to believe in the biblical God, the gods, then you have to also accept the fact that there's no difference between the biblical God and the rest of us, except that they just can live longer forever. That's the only difference. It's right there. That's the only difference. They're not all powerful. They're not all knowing. <laughs> and they're not omnipresent. They're not everywhere, right? Because they weren't present enough to... I mean, shit, Google has more power than God, but in the biblical God at this point, so this NSA. <laughs> anyway, you guys get the gist. I gotta go. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening.